Hi, I'm Pete Seligman. Welcome to the Next Step Podcast. In this season, we're going to be focusing on search, search funds, entrepreneurship through acquisition, and all things related to that community and that ecosystem, particularly focusing on how can we build the marketplace in Australia and start to encourage more searchers to come to market and get to the point where they can own, operate their own business. In this episode of the Next Step podcast, I speak to Jack Lancaster. He's currently the director and CEO of Evolution Surgical, a business that he acquired as part of a self-funded search when he founded Rose Tree Capital in early 2020. It's a really interesting conversation. Jack's got a really kind of broad and diverse background, um, spending time studying in the UK, even having a try at a startup of his own. And he's got some deep experience in the medical industry, also from a management consulting perspective. So he went into search in early 2020, which as all of us would know, was an interesting time to start a search with COVID-19 hitting a range of markets and making it a little bit challenging to meet vendors, but successfully acquired Evolution Surgical in October 2020. And so I spend a little bit of a time with Jack talking around the different aspects of search, but most of the time talking to him about his first nine months in the hot seat of operation, which as we all know, that operating phase is really the most important and frankly, the longest part of the search journey. So he's got some really good insights um, straight from the front line around what it looks like in those first three months after buying the business, what people should be aware of when they first get their feet under the desk and the kinds of things they should look out for in that, those first 12 months of operation. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you. Thanks, Jack, for joining us on this episode of The Next Step. It's great to have you here with us. Even though we're stuck in lockdown, we can still get together on Zoom, which is good. That's it. Very 2021 of us. Thanks for it, having me, Pete. It is not a problem, not a problem at all. And I mean, we just touched on it before we got on, but your team there operationally is kind of working through those limitations at the moment, right? To keep things rolling whilst you're in lockdown. That's it. So our operating business now is in the medical sector. So we're fortunate in many ways that we are truly an essential service and just dealing with what the rest of the world have really been dealing with for the last 18 months, which is living in a COVID world, which we've been so fortunate to be sheltered from mm. um, up until this point. Yeah, no, it's it's logistics is definitely a challenge for businesses, even if you still have almost the benefit of being essential from a revenue point of view, which keeps your business turning. It definitely doesn't make it any easier to get people on the ground. So what we might do just to kick off and give people that are listening a bit of a background, could you give us kind of a couple of minutes on your background and, and where you came from to get to this point? Yeah, no problem. So I am Australian, but did my undergraduate studies in the UK with the view of getting a couple of years international experience and then coming home. Two years quickly turned into the better part of a decade just because I enjoyed living there and turned out I didn't really like nice weather. I specialized in healthcare, working in management consulting. So built up a bit of an expertise in that niche. Also had a brief spell in mobile payments and I co-founded a startup there. Did an MBA at Cambridge and then came back to Australia and went back into consulting, again, trying to focus on healthcare and at that point in time, I realized that I needed to find my way back into something entrepreneurial, didn't have a great idea, didn't really fancy the idea of eating ramen noodles for two years whilst we scaled up a startup. And the notion of a search fund 
sort of came to me as it does for many other people. Explored the idea for the better part of a year before taking the plunge into it and then eventually started my searching entity, Rose Tree Capital, in February 2020. Searched for seven months and acquired Evolution Surgical, which is a medical technology business based in Sydney in October 2020, and have wow. been running that for about 10 months. Fantastic. And so, I mean, a couple of points to pick up on there. The, the first one, I've been having a few discussions with people that are considering search at the moment as an operator. So people that are thinking, you know, that that might be the, the next career step for them. And I keep kind of reminding them the, the fact that it's quite a big decision and it might not be something that they make in a rush. And it's interesting then that you said that you took potentially almost a year kind of reflecting on on search as a model and whether it might be a fit and all that sort of thing. I think that's a really good message for people that are have only just come across the model and are starting their thought process now that it won't necessarily all come at once. And it absolutely doesn't. And the career itself is being a CEO. The career isn't being a searcher, but working out how you are going to nuance your way into that career is really important because there are a number of different channels. In Australia, it's becoming a more well-trodden path, but certainly when I did it, there were only one or two other guys doing it. So we were sort of trailblazing a little bit and working out whether it's the search fund, the self-funded search, or something in the middle, like an accelerator or incubator is really difficult and an important decision that you're going to have to live by for 10 years when you're operating your company afterwards. Yeah, that's right. And there are quite a few off options, right? I mean, obviously, there's a, a relatively traditional vanilla approach to this, which there's plenty of kind of documents on coming out of Stanford and Harvard, but there's lots of variations on that theme as well, aren't there? Well, there certainly are. And I think this is one of the things that's so interesting about this space in Australia at the moment is the vanilla approach, as you call it, that there's so much literature on isn't really the vanilla approach in Australia. Mm. Um, we're more of a chock chip country here, I'm starting to find. <laughs> yeah. The classic search fund, whilst there are a couple of guys doing it and doing it really well, it's much more heavily skewed towards the self-funded search. And that just seems to be fitting with the market well, both in terms of the capital structure, but also the approach of trying to source a business, which is very well documented in the likes of the Stanford ports with your large pipeline and your proprietary deal outreach. Whereas here, it is a slightly different market we're starting to learn. And some of the tools for approaching those businesses seems to work differently here. I don't yet know, and we might not know for a couple of years, whether or not it's a maturity of the market aspect. But I'm finding that more of the searches that are coming to market in Australia have a little bit more experience under their belt before they come. Whereas in America, probably not least of which because of where it was born from straight out of the universities, they're usually a bit younger and usually less operationally experienced across the board. Whereas more of the searches that are coming to market here have a few years of operational experience under their belt. And so I don't know whether over the next few years, as the model gets more well-known and more universities get on board with kind of teaching it and promoting it, we might end up with more of those kind of younger, early stage searches coming. But definitely at the moment, they seem to be more experienced people. Oh, and I totally agree with that. I think the reason for that is sheer volume of MBAs. So if you look to Europe and America, the notion of an MBA as a career step is a very well-trodden path. In Australia, we certainly do have some world-class MBA institutions, but that is much smaller here. So I think you're absolutely right. There's a certain type of person that is attracted to going out and find, finding a business that they want to lead. And MBA is a great stepping stone for that, but by me, no means the only stepping stone. 
And in Australia, there's just a lot of those type of people that have come from different parts. Mm. I've been speaking to a range of people on this series of podcasts. And one of the things that I think stands out for this discussion with you is the fact that you're, how far in now? You're coming up to a year post-acquisition in the next month or so. And so one thing I thought it'd be useful for us to talk through in relation to the steps of search, you know, I've, I've spoken to people that are just starting out, spoken to people that are halfway through their search, spoken to a few that have completed. You're kind of 12 months into that operating phase, which as you say, is the real the real beef of it. I mean, that is the major part of this whole process is actually being the operator. So I thought it'd be good for this part of the conversation to kind of talk a bit through how that journey's been over the last kind of nine-ish months to date. You know, even if you can manage to, it probably feels like a lifetime by now, but if you can manage to hark back to, you know, even those first couple of weeks after taking the keys, getting to know the team and all that kind of thing, and then how that's kind of evolved over the last few months, what's your experience been like? And maybe even seeing if you can start from the beginning post-completion. Yeah, for me, completion in October last year felt like I was crossing the finish line. (laughs) In hindsight, I was crossing the start line. (laughs) So when you make it into the business, that's really, it's such a cliche, but that's when the hard work and the fun stuff really begins. And it's a very different mindset. And I think being able to switch into operating mode from search mode is actually quite a difficult thing to do. In search mode, you are running a sprint. In operating mode, you've got to be a marathon runner. Um, And changing that pace, changing that mindset, changing how much you want to get involved, leading versus observing in the first few months is really important. I spent seven months doing diligence on this company. It's in a sector I thought I knew a thing or two about. You get inside the business and you learn pretty quickly how little you know. (laughs) To reflect on what you've asked me to say is if I look back to those first three months, it was such a euphoric stage. I was so happy with myself. I was riding the momentum of the previous owner in terms of what was coming through our pipeline and work. And it was some of the best months of my career. I was so happy, so satisfied with myself. There was absolutely a bit of pride. And here I am, age 31, I think I was, CEO of a big medical device business. How good is that? But then after the first three months, I really did try and take a disciplined approach where I had to move from that sprint pace into sort of more of a marathon pace. And that meant not working the 14-hour days, only taking on a few projects at a time, trying to delegate within the team and really setting into a sustainable business model and business operating model, which for someone who has a background in management consulting where you work three or four month projects and you just smash it out and then you have a couple of weeks rest and then you continue at that high intensity was and still is a learning curve for me. I'm lucky that I have inherited a sensational team within the business, which is not something that often you hear of in these search type businesses. We're very lucky that the investment hypothesis for this company wasn't cost cut really in any way. It was all growth opportunities. So that's one of the things that a lot of searchers struggle with and no one wants to do. So fortunate that we haven't had to do much or any of that cost-cutting type stuff here. And as we look forward to the better part of a year now, we've had some ups and downs. We're a highly regulated industry and that's great because it's a huge barrier 
to entry and I would not wish these regulations on anyone. Learning learning what that looks like and coming to terms with that has been a big area of focus, few areas of transformation. But for me, I always said to my investors, the first year is about getting our feet under the desk. And if we can get five or 10% growth in the first year, riding the momentum of the business, that's great. And now I am really looking forward to year two and doing some of the more exciting, sexy things that we have the opportunity to do. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I, I really like that analogy of moving from a sprint to a marathon. You're totally right. Like uh, it's a it's a very big change of gears. And even in that those first few months, it's hard to recognize the need to slow down because like you say, you probably are riding the wave of what the original owner had already pushed through to you. And so it's easy to fool yourself into thinking that you can continue at that same pace. Whereas there's a fair bit to kind of absorb in those first kind of 90 to 180 days around the detail that underlies the business that you're never going to pick up in due diligence, right? Like you never, regardless of how deep you think you've gone, actually sitting in the business day to day, you learn a lot. You mentioned that you've managed to get a get a great team as part of that acquisition. Have you also added any new people to the team as part of the process as well? Like has the team expanded or are you are you still kind of running on the same team at the moment and then trying to work out where the growth needs to be and therefore where you need to kind of add more capacity to, to the team as you go? Yes. So both is the answer. So we've made a couple of really good strategic hires, both for where the business is now, but also for where we want it to be in 12 plus months. So, and they have been both frontline staff and operations support staff. And at the moment, I'm actually working on a project, which I'm really excited about working with a recruitment consultant to go and hire a bunch of new salespeople in different cities. So we're looking to expand to Melbourne. We have in stage at the moment, expansions into Brisbane and New Zealand. So that's all part of the plan that we didn't really want to do in that first year. But now that we're coming up to the beginning of year two, starting to do those growth growth hires that we've got the good, strong nucleus as a business to support. Yeah. And what would you say, I mean, if there's searchers who are listening, and I I know of a couple who I'm hoping I can send this episode to, (laughs) who either coming to the end of their search or are just about to complete or, you know, like they're at that stage just pre-completion and are just looking forward. They've managed to get far enough through their acquisition phase or their search phase, sorry, where they can start now looking at the first phase of operation, that first year. What would you say to them around what they need to look out for and and how they should sort of focus their energies in that first six months? Yeah, so it's a great question, actually. And I think it depends on the business that you're acquiring. I think so often a great acquisition in search isn't necessarily a great business. Mm. It's a great acquisition because it's got opportunity for improvement. So if that's the sort of business you're stepping into, then you've got to make some changes pretty quick, smart. However, if it's the second type of business, which is actually, it's a pretty good business as it is, then my advice would be, be patient and learn because what you think you know, um, and this was certainly the case for me, what you think you know from the outside in is very, very different. And someone who's been operating a business for 10, 20, 30 years, whilst they may not have the education that a lot of people who typically go into search have, they know what they're doing. There's a reason we like this company and it's working pretty well. There's that great metaphor that's in a lot of the search stuff, which is it's the same horse going around the track. We're just changing out the jockey. So don't change too much. And for me, 
I've had to be very patient and patience is not one of my virtues if you ask anyone who knows me. So my advice would be as you step into the business, be as patient as you can. If you've identified things that absolutely have to change to make it a good investment, make those changes, rip off the band-aid, do it quickly and then get on with running the business. I think the workforce will be very questionative of who you are. In Australia, people don't know what search is, so they typically think that you're a private equity investor and everyone knows what private equity investors do when they come into the business. So if you're not looking to do headcount reduction, I would overemphasize that to the staff because they will be thinking that that's what's going to happen to them. But otherwise, just be patient, build those relationships with customers as quickly as you can without also flagging any continuity risk. So maybe one of the reasons that customers work with you is because they really like the old owner. So just be balanced, be measured, be patient. I yeah, think it'd be my it's great advice because I think you're right. You said that you're not known for your patience. I don't think I'm really known for my patience either. And I would probably say that that more often than not, the people that end up in search probably aren't known for their patience either, right? Like that, the, these are typically people that have come from probably quite a varied corporate background, or they've come from like even as you did from you know having done a couple of startups, or they've come from a management consulting background, which as you referred to earlier was kind of these rolling through to six month projects. So, you know, always looking for the next shiny thing to to get involved with. It is really important to kind of make sure you're measured in that approach and really get to know those people. The, the relationships, as you're saying, with, with the people in the team and also the customers is pretty critical. And particularly if you've had a business, which is more likely the, the kinds of businesses that we acquire in search they have been owned and operated by the same person or people for a long time. And so those relationships are pretty deep and you can't expect for those relationships to change hands in a heartbeat, can you? Like, yeah, so. Absolutely. And I think it's absolutely my opinion, Pete, that if you come into a business and you make big changes early, you can do a lot more harm than you can good. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just you just got to ha- have that patience to to let that run. One of the other things that I've um, been talking to a few people about recently, probably more during the search phase than the operating phase. So I'd be interested in your view on the operating aspect of this. Is the importance of that investor group and also whether it's from the investors or mentors and advisors outside of that. How have you found the interaction? with your investor, mentor, advisor group over the last nine months since you've moved into the operating phase? Particularly, you um, know, examples like being patient or, or reflecting on kind of relationship building with customers or whatever else, you know, how's that gone? I'm really glad you asked that question because it is such an important one and it's a destiny you make for yourself at the very beginning of this journey mm-hmm. and then you have to live with it for two plus 10 years, potentially. For me, This was something I got my head around right before I started and was one of the big reasons I decided not to do a search fund was because at that point in time, the only way I was going to raise a search fund was to have international investors. And I think perhaps it was my background in startups that always the saying goes, you you don't just want money, you want smart money. And for me to have a group of investors who weren't just dumb capital, but also were there to help and support and come on the journey with me for potentially 10 years was really important. So throughout the search phase and closer to the closing phases when they got involved being a self-funded search, extraordinarily helpful. I'm quite financially savvy, but have never worked in finance. So I looked for a group of investors who could complement and supplement that 
weakness in my skill set. And in terms of the final structuring of the deal, they helped massively. So I worked on this deal for seven months. And I think in the last two days of closing, we did more restructuring of the investment vehicle than in the previous seven months. And that really came down to their experience. And I think we got a better deal than we could have otherwise because of that. Mm. Moving into the operations phase, I've lent on my main investors very heavily, kept them updated. I think we've had a good governance structure or we've we've sort of got into a good rhythm of governance now where they're quite hands-off. And I think they've very kindly given me plenty of rope. I keep them closely informed and once or twice or three times a week have phone calls with the main investors and give them an update, run ideas by them. And always I feel better coming off those phone calls and going into them. So that says something about the investor group and the support that they're giving me, which is huge. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, it's interesting because sometimes it's even that sounding board is more confirmation necessarily than a completely new idea because there's that old phrase around how, you know, it's it's lonely at the top kind of concept. You know, if you're if you're the CEO of a business, sometimes there are certain things that end up on your desk that you that you can't share with anyone else. So actually having a group of people that are really there to back you, that you can share some of those problems with and share some of those challenges, even just having someone to discuss them with can add a lot of value, particularly if they're up to speed enough with the business and the strategy that you're trying to deploy that they can kind of reflect on that in a really meaningful way. It's really useful because I think the point you make around kind of you set that up right at the beginning and then you need to live with that for a long period of time. You know, there's quite a few people that refer to that kind of building your register as almost recruiting your investor base because like you're saying, you really do want that smart money rather than just some capital to go and invest. Because if it was just capital, like you can probably get that from a range of places, whereas to get the right capital with the right people behind it makes a massive difference. And one thing that I'm really pleased with in the Australian market over the last kind of definitely the last six months, but even the last kind of 12 or 18 months is that community of investors has really started to grow, I've noticed. And particularly those investors that are highly engaged in the model and really keen to, to back operators. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. So when I was going to market to test the waters of raising a search fund here in Australia, everyone said, Jack, you seem like such a nice, smart guy, but get lost. I'm not going to give you half a million dollars to go and live for a couple of years. Yeah. Find me a deal and come back. Mm. Now, fast forward two years or so, mm. I think we've got a couple of really good data points. I think people like you doing what you're doing to stimulate the community um, and advertise that this model actually does work. And the search fund model itself is a mm. sensational deal for investors. Mm. If eventually one day I were to exit evolution, you bet you that's what where I'm putting my money is into the search fund. It's easing economics for an investor. And as someone who's curious and wants to help mentor young, up-and-coming, highly motivated people, what a great opportunity to be involved in a really cool business. You're so right that that a lot of the um, investors that come back to invest in search were potentially searchers themselves or, or had operated businesses. And that's why I really like kind of the high net worth family office community as investors in this market, particularly because a lot of those people have made their money by running their own businesses. And so they kind of get it. They, they understand what it looks like to go in on a Monday and have your key person resign or, you know, like have one of your main customers move to a competitor or your supply chain fall apart. You know, they get the fact that there's things that happen 
from time to time that you just can't control and you just need to work out a way of getting through those issues. And so it's really useful to have those people kind of on your register and, and with your back. I think it's those kind of people that are valuable for two reasons. One is they really value the operator and are willing to back the value that an entrepreneur will bring to a business. And secondly, we are all inexperienced by design. That's how this model works. So having someone, as you say, that can coach you through what you do when one of your key people resign is super helpful and makes mm. it a strong business. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's awesome. So, I mean, what, one more question before we wrap up. What's your view on the things that we can do in the Australian market to continue to stimulate the conversation around search with regard to any of the actors that effectively we need to make sure that we've got around that community from searchers to investors to bankers, advisors, whatever? I mean, what are the kinds of things that you think we need to be continuing to do to make sure that this model and this asset class and this career path for operators is something that's more prevalent? I think that's a great question. I think really it is the notion of sharing with people that this is something that is good for Australia at the highest level. So it's a good solution and a very elegant solution for all parties involved. We've got a huge pool of wealth held in the baby boomer generation who have all these small businesses um, that have no succession plan. Um, And then on the other side, we have a relatively inactive small cap private equity industry in Australia. How is that succession going to take place? How is that transfer of equity going to take place? The search fund is a very elegant solution for that transfer of wealth. Then if you look at the younger generation who are up and coming, um, and you've got this notion of having a 20 or 30 year career ahead of you where you're stuck in this corporate machine, until the point you can make it to senior management versus the opportunity to go and grasp it in six to 12 months and become an operator of a large business. It's an amazing solution for the entrepreneur. For the lenders, these are pretty safe businesses. So all the vetting criteria that we look for in a search style business means that it is reliable and it is safe money. And I think more and more, the fact that the big The big four lenders have got involved and backed this model in some of the deals that have taken place is great testament to that. And then finally, on the equity investors, we we touched on that a moment ago. It's a really exciting opportunity for people to be involved in and to support. And where else are you going to get a 30% return in a proven asset class like this? So I I think to answer your question, what can we do is just keep getting that message out there, show that it's beneficial to all parties and really keep pushing those case studies of where it's worked. Yeah, and I think you're right that getting the message out and it's it is it is it's all the way from macro down to micro that like the impact and then getting more and more of those case studies such as yours to show that that there are good examples of people that have had a successful operation and and have been through that search phase and and made an acquisition. I think that's um that's that's really good advice. So thank you very much Jack. It's been great to have you on the episode and I'm sure there'll be a lot of people that'll enjoy listening to this because the experience you've had in in the first 9 months post-completion is something that's really valuable for people to listen to. So thanks very much for your time. Thanks so much for having me on and pleasure to chat. Cheers. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, please jump onto LinkedIn and find the group Search and ETA Australasia. You can also send me a direct message and I'd be keen to connect. 